Hello, and welcome to the first ever episode of the uh, TMI podcast, Too Much Information. Uh, I am one of your co-hosts, Anthony. I am your other co-host, JBW. And today, we're just going to be getting a little bit into uh, some political news, a little bit about uh, how we feel about it, Make basically... Uh, making sure that the people in power are using that power wisely, uh, well, using it to, to help people instead of to enrich themselves. Yeah, and we are doing this to inform others as well as pushing ourselves to gain information about what's currently going on in the world. So we hope you take this opportunity to not only listen with us, but learn with us and truly come to navigate this world we call politics. So now it is uh, April 8th, and it's been a little over a year since Corona COVID has really started and, and swept across the world. Uh, America was definitely slower than other countries to kind of get its bearing, you know, see what necessary steps were to be taken to protect its people. But now um, over 100 million people have been partially vaccinated. Uh, 50 million people have been fully vaccinated. And President Biden says that all adults over the age of 18 will be able to be vaccinated by April 19th. Now, Anthony, thoughts? Uh, this is just nothing but great news for me. I got to tell you, nothing but net. Um, I just, my only issue is that so many people are like jumping at the bit to reopen now. They want to go now. Yeah. They want to they go party and mm -hmm. club. And we're just... We're like one month away. We're close. We're one month away. <laughs> just and people a little cannot more wait. Um, this really just, if anything, like highlights how bad Trump was mm. because Joe Biden can barely think and he <laughs> they've got they've got this 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 uh, this awesome like vaccine infrastructure. Mm. They're they're distributing it uh, extremely well. Um, I do wish that they um, had like signed on with more pharmacies than mm. just Walgreens yeah. initially. Like we have this whole each private corporation is like its own little mini government nation state, mm. and so we have all of these different corporations and and businesses competing with each other to vaccinate people yeah which is weird and it would be much better if we were working together and trying to cooperate but I mean, while i agree with you that uh competitive market is really what america is founded on can yeah. can you sell something to someone else better than someone else like that's... i have yet to have somebody show me a market that commoditizes something that is necessary for basic human life and show me a successful market that doesn't cause unnecessary suffering, unnecessary price gouging, unnecessary pain. Hmm. I'm not saying that this isn't unnecessary, but this is what we should expect from vaccines being distributed in America. Uh, I don't know. We could have just distributed to every pharmacy top down. We could have gone through uh, hospitals. The government could have just said, you know what, we're going to buy every Walgreens. We're going to nationalize it temporarily. Mm. That's within the government's power. Mm. The government could have said, you know what, we're going to temporarily nationalize Moderna, Pfizer, and Johnson & Johnson. Mm. And we're going to give away the patent for the vaccine for free so countries all over the world can make it. That's true. Nobody has to be worried about not having a vaccine. Mm. India has the 
industry necessary to produce vaccines. They just don't have the patents. Hmm. They can't. Moderna, Pfizer, J&J won't let them manufacture it. And so more American or more Indians are going to die. More people are going to die. People south of the equator are going to die of COVID just because they were uh, unfortunate enough to be born in a country that hasn't industrialized yet. Not their fault. Stupid. And we could fix it. I agree. But I don't think we're going to. And the reason why is the economy. It Because this competitive market that we have is somewhat stimulating. I mean, I guess. But, like, you could just take healthcare out of the private market. I mean, you're... Like that. Completely right. Like that. You just write it on a piece of paper, sign it, and then, bam, it's done. That's how every other developed country in the world does it. But not every developed country is America. America! <laughs> so up next we have Joe Biden has announced his 2.5 trillion dollar infrastructure bill. Ooh. Corporate Democrats pissed themselves. So a few weeks ago, Joe Manchin announced that he was. So we've known that Joe Biden's next uh, like priority was going to be infrastructure yeah. and tax. He talked about it a while a lot. now. Yeah. Um, but a few weeks ago, Joe Manchin said that he was open to, to a $3 trillion infrastructure package, $4 trillion. People were throwing around numbers much higher than this $2.25 trillion bill that Joe mm-hmm. Biden has, has announced. Um, now, this is, this is so weird. Like, Joe Biden, he says that this is one of two bills. This is half of this infrastructure mm-hmm. bill, and he wants to do another $2 trillion bill later. Mm-hmm. But firstly... Why do you want to give the Republicans more chances to obstruct? Like, if you can get this all done in one go, you know you have to do it through budget reconciliation. You know there's no way in hell you're going to get 10 Republicans to say we're for your thing. We, we know this. We know this. So why are we wasting so much time? tap dancing around bipartisanship i mean i from my point of view it looks like in uh the point to go slow part of the sides of democrat and republican is that republicans are traditionally more formal they move slower to change things and they keep us grounded so we, we don't how just long did it change. take the republicans to force through their two trillion dollar tax cut how long did they make merrick garland wait to, to be put on the Supreme Court, like a whole year, a whole election year, right? Mm. Because Obama was, there was an election. Mm. How long did it take them to appoint, uh, what's her face? Like two weeks. Tony Barrett? Yeah, yeah, yeah two yeah. weeks, two weeks. Yeah. So, so Republicans, uh, no, I disagree. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> if it's something they want, they will do it. And Democrats have been hiding with their tails between their legs for... Who knows how many is? It's how- because they have to. If they don't, Republicans immediately just say no. Just too much, too soon. No. So Biden has, he literally has to go in baby steps if he doesn't want to be immediately shut down by the anything American he says. The American people are on Biden's side. It sucks that the American people don't vote right now, huh? Uh, <laughs> listen, man. Sorry. I should not eat ice while we're recording Probably the podcast. Not. Yeah. Um, one second, guys. Mm. No, Sonic Ice is underrated. It's true. It's, it's true. They got them nice little crunchies. Real good. Yeah. Uh, frick, what were we talking about? Uh, infrastructure. Mm, Republican uh, versus Democrats. Y- yeah, just like this obstructionism has to stop. 
Joe Biden, the, the U.S. corporate tax rate under Obama was 35 percent. Donald Trump cut it to 21 percent, right? Mm -hmm. Joe Biden is saying that he wants to try to balance the budget with this infrastructure bill. He wants everything to be paid for. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to raise taxes on anybody making more than or less than $400,000 a year, mm -hmm. which is a lot of money. The average salary in the U.S. is like 40000 a year. Yeah. So he... He's not going to raise any taxes on anyone making 10 times what the average Joe is making. Yep. But still, somehow, this is too radical for Republicans. He wants to raise the corporate tax rate from 21 to 28 percent, still less than it was under the Biden or the Obama administration. But somehow, this is too radical for Republicans. He wants to spend $2.25 trillion on a crumbling infrastructure that the American Society of Civil Engineers says will cost at least $4.6 trillion to fix. He wants hold to up, spend— up, Not fix, but just maintain. Just to maintain. Uh, like to repair. Repair mm -hmm. a crumbling infrastructure. $4.6 He wants to spend less than half of what is required. And Republicans say it's too much. Like— it, but that's that's my very point. If he's only saying half now, could you imagine one of the numbers we were throwing around before we started recording was ten trillion? If he came to the table, said ten trillion, when they're already laughing at his half what is required, they wouldn't take him seriously. It doesn't even matter. We don't need any Republicans. You don't need any Republicans to do this. Okay. You only need fifty-one votes. Mm. That's all Democrats. You can do it with all Democrats. Okay, that's true. You don't need the. You don't need the freaking Republicans. Uh, it's all right. We'll cut it out later. We'll cut it out later. Gucci. Yeah. Like uh, Joe Biden is coming in with the compromise of a compromise of a compromise, and he's like, "Hold up, guys. What if we compromise? The American people need more than what Joe Biden is doing." Joe, I am personally begging you. I am pleading with you. Help us fix my road. Yeah, we do. We, yeah, well, we've been doing some construction on the shelves. We, I mean, we always have construction. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, Joe, stop compromising with yourself, man. Please. We can't. We can't do it. We're not. We're not getting enough of what we need to sustain our country with these compromises. People are dying. People are dying. Six hundred thousand COVID deaths. Fifty to sixty thousand deaths a year of preventable illness. Who knows how many people die of mental health crises? Like crises. How many suicides can be prevented a year if everybody could go to the freaking psychiatrist? How? Yeah. Anyway, next story. Next story. Um, let's see. I think this one was yours. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll go this one. My next one was the. Uh, Oh my, are all of these yours? Jesus. Nah, the... This one. Oh! Oh, you deleted one. <laughs> what did it... What was that one? Were you not doing that one anymore? Yeah, that was just the, uh... Just... That was just saying that Republicans did the, their $2 trillion tax cut through budget reconciliation. But now that Democrats are trying to do things that are actually popular with the American people... Budget reconciliation is too harsh. Mm -hmm. If you've got 95% of Democrats, if you've got 70% of independents, and you have 50% of Republicans that support your policy positions, what do you have? The majority support. You have the majority support behind your positions. Joe Biden, stop being such a pussy. And on that topic, <laughs> um, so since uh, Joe Biden has been elected, one of his really key points on uh, immigration was that he wanted to 
fix the situation at the border. Now, if you don't know, for quite a while, we have been separating families and keeping kids at cages at the border. Wait, Wait kids in cages? Kids in cages. This is the first time hearing of the this. The first you're hearing of it. Well, let me inform you a little bit. As families try to come, you know, in into America. Families do, do try to come. You know, people try to. Um, I try. Oh. Keep going. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, as people try to come in, during the process of actually making it into the country where people are getting interviewed individually, people also get separated. Now, because of this process that has not had proper oversight from the American government, families get split up and just don't get put back together. This is one of Biden's major points. And as he became elected, he said that this was going to be one of the first things he tried to fix. Um, he uh, Im immediately uh, chaired uh, the Homeland Security Secretary, uh, Alejandro Mayorkas, to be working closely with him to resolve this. Now, at the time, this was roughly two months ago, it sounded pretty good. We were happy to hear that something was being done. You know, nobody wants to hear about babies being kept at cages at the border. True. You know, it, that is that is not the hallmark of a developed country. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Keeping kids, uh, you know, at the border. But we we pretty much just had to wait. You know, not every not anything can happen overnight. But so far, two months later, uh, not much has happened at all, actually. Um... Alejandro and Mayorkas, uh, as, along with um, Michelle Brené, who he appointed as the executive director of the task, have been struggling to get their feet off the ground a little bit. Um, from all my research, I could find them talking about getting one family back together that they couldn't have, they didn't have any pictures of, no names, all that has come out is a family has been put back together. Now, as someone who voted for Biden, this is a little disheartening. You know, one of the big selling points of Biden was he was going to fix this. Now, again, not nothing can happen overnight and we will keep our eyes closely to it, but uh, I, I'd like something to be happening a little faster. You know, one family every two months when we know that there's over 200 kids separated from their family is not a good timeline. Anthony, exactly. thoughts? Uh, I just... So this problem is a lot older. Mm. This is not a new thing happening under Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. So first of all, during this season, uh, during this time of the year, there is always an uptick in immigration mm -hmm. because um, it's a little bit easier to make the journey right now. Mm -hmm. It's not as hot, mm -hmm. um, so so you're more likely to make it. Mm -hmm. Um so, so that's partially why we're seeing a, a big uptick right now. But also, like, if if I elected a murderer to, if I appointed a murderer to be in charge of my daycare, mm -hmm. right? People might stop sending their kids to my daycare mm -hmm. while the murderer is in charge. Of course. And then, if one day I fire the murderer. And I put in a, a sweet, kind, loving, you know, 28, 29-year-old, fresh out of college educator who just loves kids, wants to help them, mm. ready to give them tickles or whatever you do with kids. <laughs> I don't know. Pass on the head candy. Yeah. Flashcards so they learn colors. Educating them? Yeah, maybe? educating them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
more people might want to put their kid in that daycare, yeah. right? So at our border, this country has been run by an egotistical maniac that hates brown people mm. for four years. Mm. He's been telling brown people not to come here. Yeah. And then suddenly we elect a guy who says, hey, if you're brown, no biggie. Come on. Come on in. The water's fine. Mm. Do it legally, yep. you know? People, uh... Uh... Oh... Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, we've got a guy now who is just explicitly not explicitly racist. Mm -hmm. It's so more people are going to be willing to make the journey. Yeah. That doesn't mean that Joe Biden is welcoming them. It just meant that Trump was expresses or expressly unwelcoming them. Okay. Which is illegal. So <laughs> Donald Trump changed the laws of asylum. Mm -hmm. So if you try to come to our country and say, hey, I'm being terrorized by gang violence and mm -hmm. I, need to, I need political asylum in the United States, mm -hmm. according to American and international law, when somebody comes to your border and applies for asylum, you're supposed to let them hang out mm -hmm. in, in your town yeah. until, uh, until they get their case for asylum. Mm. Trump was actively turning people away. Yeah, yeah. So Trump's got this policy called stay in Mexico, which is no matter what country you come from, Mm -hmm. You could come from Cuba, try to apply for asylum, they'll stick your ass in Mexico. You could be coming from Saudi Arabia, Iran, or Afghanistan, mm -hmm. fleeing terrorism, mm -hmm. and they'll make you wait in Mexico while they process your asylum. And it takes a year. It takes six months to a year, mm -hmm. two years, mm -hmm. maybe longer. And while that's happening, your family will be split apart. Mm -hmm. And honestly, like... No, never mind. Not that part. <sighs> yeah. So, so basically, man, this border... this. But also, this border crisis is even more manufactured than that. Mm. So if we go back a couple decades, think back to the 40s, 50s, 60s. Every year during the summer, the, the U.S. had this program. It's forget, I'm forgetting what the name of the program was. Mm. But every year they would give uh, a little over 500,000 temporary worker visas to Mexican immigrants who, needed to, uh, who wanted to come work uh, at the farms, mm. uh, work on American farms. Mm. And this was necessary because farms needed the cheaper labor mm. and Mexicans needed jobs. Yep. And so every like year you had this, this, this like seasonal rotation of, of seasonal workers coming into mm. the U.S. to work, sending money back to Mexico, and then coming back to Mexico when, when the season is over, mm. and then living there with their family. Awesome. Mm. Awesome. Awesome. It worked. It was good. It was legal. It didn't create crime. We didn't separate people at the border. There wasn't a huge crime rate. There weren't more rapes or murders or anything like that. Mm. Just people could come work, you know, when they wanted to work. Uh, but then we changed the rules. We got rid of that visa program. And so now instead, if a worker, if a Mexican immigrant wants to come to America to work, uh, to work on a farm, right, they are going to come in and then just stay in America because it's too dangerous to make that illegal crossing back and forth over the border every year. So this problem of, of making illegal making immigration illegal, it didn't remove the need for cheap labor, right? It just meant that the it just puts the the like responsibility of fulfilling the cheap labor on the immigrant. Mm -hmm. It just makes them the bad person for wanting to cross the border illegally to get that job. When it is the farms who need the cheap labor. Like So anyway, we're stuck with this system now yeah. where you have about three million illegal immigrants who have come into the country uh it's it's more than three million now, but you have uh, you have immigrants who come in to work here mm -hmm. because we have farms and we need their labor. 
So they're coming to fulfill our needs, and then we make it too dangerous for them to leave. So we trap them here, we subjugate them, we make them work for less than minimum wage, we make them, uh, we don't let them go to school, we don't let them uh, go to the doctor, we don't let them do anything, we don't let them vote, because they're illegal. Mm -hmm. But but we need them. Yeah. It's a bad system that isn't getting any better, and I, for one, was hoping that as Joe Biden came into office, he was going to do more to fix it now that being said it's it's april he's been in office for two months you know it's it's not like i expected him to change the world by now and yes we have a few names and there has been a family put back together but all i can really say a family a family put back together all all i can say is you know i really hope that this progress continues and i hope that it starts to accelerate exponentially because this is something that needs to be changed for not only oh oh i'm sorry one thing i forgot this whole thing joe biden said he was like if you if we send if you send if a family comes you know we 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 send back the adults we send them back on the other side but we're not gonna leave a poor kid stuck on the other side of the river looking at us Mm. so joe biden creates this rule that says we're not gonna let in anybody except for kids Mm. Well, he didn't actually make like Trump technically did because they they started the didn't family separation start under Obama? It started and then it got worse with Trump. Yeah, yeah. The but the cages were built under Obama. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but the family separation originally started because drug traffickers were just taking kids, yeah. like just kidnapping kids and saying, "This is my son. Let me in." Mm-hmm. So, but that even the war on drugs would eliminate the cartels. Like if we legalized, taxed, and regulated all drugs and brought drug production domestically, then the cartels would dry up. That money would dry up. Crime would dry. like so much of this stuff is connected. But basically, Joe Biden make crossing the border a misdemeanor crime and not a felony. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Uh, coming up next for our next story, uh, we've got the Rand Corporation. That's the Research and Development Corporation. They're a, 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 a kind of business think tank thing that's been advising government policy for, for the last several decades. They recently released a report that says that $2.5 trillion is quote-unquote reverse distributed every year from the working class into the hands of the top 1%. Um, Isn't reverse distribution just everybody paying one person? Yeah, like theft. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like theft. Oh, it's like theft. Yeah, yeah. So uh, what this means is that if you took the way that wealth was distributed in America Mm. in the year 1974 and you applied that same wealth distribution to today, Mm -hmm. you would find that the 1% have stolen enough money from us to make to make it 2.5 trillion dollars every year so in 1975 the 1% took two and a half trillion mm. in 1976 they took two and a half trillion mm. 77 two and a half trillion mm. so on and so forth mm. until today so do you ever feel like you're working long hours for too little money only sometimes do you have trouble saving for basic needs like food housing education I can say I do. Do you ever look at your fellow man and think, damn, that guy looks depressed? Yeah. yeah it's because Jeff Bezos has been stealing $1,200 a month from you retroactive to 1974. Hmm. 
That's enough money to give every American 1200 bucks a month retroactive to 1974. I'm going to say that one more time in case you didn't hear me. The 1% has stolen enough money from you to give you $1,200 a month retroactive to 1974. That's crazy. All right, I'm wrapping up that story. That's all I got for you with that one. That's it for the rant. So next up, the Supreme Court. Should we add more justices? Now, throughout history, one appellate court uh, equals one Supreme Court justice. Now, there are about 13 courts and nine justices. We're short four justices. The court stopped being expanded after the Civil War and has kept at nine justices, kept at nine judges that lean conservatives. FDR uh, had the same issue with his Supreme Court slapping down parts of the New Deal. So, so yeah, basically, um, throughout history until very recently, the more appellate courts there have been, which is like uh, an appellate court is kind of like a like the middle, the mid-manager, you know? So so you got all of these little courts in a state, and then they'll all be a part of you know, maybe like Oregon and Washington and Colorado mm-hmm. and North Dakota, or Idaho, I mean, will all share one appellate court. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so they're like uh, they're like the, 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 like the state government for like the... Yeah, yeah, like the, we, we have, have a federal, federal government, government and a state government. government. We, we have, have a Supreme Court and appellate courts. Yeah, yeah. Um, and previously, we've been we've been trying to, we've been kept we kept the the, the justices um, up with the the appellate courts. Mm. Um, now it, the courts stopped being expanded after the Civil War, mm. and and uh, and since then, after the Civil War, it's been kept at nine judges that have always leaned conservative. So, I think we might have to do a little bit of a deep dive here, JBW. I I think it's important because how would is it is it even our job to balance the court? Well, if you don't mind me asking, what was the Civil War about, JBW? Hmm. Civil War seemed to be about uh, whether we should own slaves. Oh, okay, Oops. okay, okay. And 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 if you don't mind me asking this, which side was conservative? What would you say lean towards, say, slavery? Mm, definitely seemed like the South. If the I remember South, correctly. the Confederacy. Yeah, yeah. So, so, do you know much about the Reconstruction era? I know somewhat about about Jim Crow, yeah, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. So, so it seems a little bit suspicious to me that after we bring the South into the Union, the Civil War has ended, we're like, hey, you guys are going to be nice to black people, right? And the white people were like, yeah, wink, you know? It's, it's, it seems very odd that, that after we're trying to have this great reconstruction, this coming together, that that is when the Supreme Court stops being expanded. Mm. That is when the Supreme Court starts leaning heavily conservative. Mm. And this kind of like, this follows what was happening culturally in America after the reconstruction. After the Civil War, after the South got their butts kicked, after we had like probably five years of maybe the most equal America we had ever seen, ever. Like those... Those first couple of years of Reconstruction might be more racially equitable in terms of like economic status and cultural status mm. than today. Yeah. 
Um, and then after those few years of reconstruction, that's when you see the Jim Crow era, the huge Southern pushback. The, all of the white racists were like, hey, you guys can't be people. I mean, I don't think it was quite so peachy keen for those five years. There was definitely a lot of push from the South. Yeah, but at that, that, at that time, the Fed, the North, like the federal government was basically occupying the South. Yes. So there were Union troops there ensuring that black people could vote, yeah. ensuring that their names were on the ballot if they were running, ensuring that they could register to vote or go to school, yeah. uh, ensuring that these rights were, were being being protected. And, and then and then once the, the North stopped, they pulled those troops yeah. out, and and uh, all the racists got to look around and see that the the, the room was clear and mm -hmm. they could speak their mind again. It went right back down. Yeah, trash, 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 trash. It did. And uh, so we've seen this a lot. Like the south, the southern states always have way more legislative power, more government influence than they actually have people to represent and and, and, and influence. Uh, so like right now, the the Senate is fifty fifty. Yeah. 50, uh, 50 Democrats, 50 Republicans. Those 50 Democrats represent 40 million more people than the 50 Republicans. Is that fair? Doesn't seem like it. So, so we've got this Supreme Court that since after the Civil War has been kept at fewer judges than there are appellate courts, which already would favor conservatism. Because uh, if you're... It's like why Puerto Rico and Washington, D.C. and Guam have not been made states yet. Mm. Because uh, the more the more appellate courts, each one of those appellate courts is more likely to have progressive people there. Yeah. And more likely to want to have a progressive justice, mm. right? Uh, are more likely to... People do not agree with conservatives. Our Supreme Court is way more conservative than the actual country is. And that... That has been the chief Republican strategy since. I won't say Republicans because the Democrats and Republicans switch, mm. but that's been the chief conservative strategy mm. since the post-Civil War era. It's just obstruct progress. Obstruct progress. And that is basically all the Supreme Court has done for the last 70 years. Mm. Last six, uh, Longer, maybe. since yeah. Clearly since after the Civil War. Mm. <laughs> So my question is kind of roping that back in. If yeah, that was a it, it, it was a long <laughs> journey, but it was necessary. Roping us back in, would adding more justices be beneficial? Like, should we really add more? Because if we start adding more, where do we draw the line? You know, so we add more now, and we hope we uh, we get a few Democrats in there. Mm -hmm. But what if we add more and we accidentally get another Republican, someone else who's conservative? Well. The court is already packed mm. conservative. Yeah. Um, something like of the last of the last uh, Trump appointed three of the nine current Supreme Court justices uh, during his last term. Mm. So for in one term, he got to appoint 33 percent of the Supreme Court and Trump lost the popular vote. Yeah. So, already we've got a packed court, just packed for Republicans. Well, yes, but as we add more people, 
there is no way to guarantee that it would balance out. Now, all we're saying is we add more people to the court because there have been times in the past where the numbers haven't always been like this. It hasn't always been packed to this degree. You know, there's been times where it's a little more balanced. Uh, I don't have an exact time, but I'm sure there's at least one time when the Democrats had the majority. Maybe. Yes, there have been some progressives. But So how do we balance that out? Say we raise the number from nine to ten. How do we ensure that that tenth person balances the equation? People switch out. Eventually, everyone who's on the court right now will die. They hold the position until they die. So the next people that come in, just having a bigger number won't immediately mean balance. It's just another number. Yeah, but the the president appoints those Supreme Court nominations, mm-hmm. and the people ostensibly pick that president. Okay. So the people, kind of through a couple layers removed, mm-hmm. are picking who gets appointed. Okay. Also, we could just legislate and tie directly the amount of uh, Supreme Court justices to appellate courts. You could tie it to the population of the country. Mm -hmm. There are tons of things you could do. You could make them elected positions. Like, it's not... There is... There's not only one way to do things. Mm. We could do things differently. It just does not make sense right now to have a Supreme Court that is so much more conservative than the country. To have a Supreme Court that will slap down, that would slap down Medicare for all. To have a, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. We need, we need a government that reflects the will of the people in this country. Our government is 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 bloated and broken and kind of needs a tune up. Um, and uh, without one, I think that we're on the same path as Rome. Could you could definitely see it. My biggest concern is when adding more people to the Supreme Court, because it is a position that is held for so long, you know, as packing happens, it's not something that can be changed overnight. You know, with the current con- you know, conservative board, we have to wait for someone to step down or die before we can get, you know, balance out that board. And even if we add another person, then you still have the same problem of people are there until they die. It's not like every other position of power in America where you can constantly switch them out so you're constantly getting new ideas. You know, one Supreme Court justice will sit through three sitting presidents, four. Yeah, you know? I, I'd like to see it be an elected position. Mm. So it's not not partisan. Like, yeah. I don't want I don't want whoever's the president to be able to appoint who's going to be in charge mm-hmm. of, of long after them. Yeah, like that. The, the idea that you know anyone could come in and we say okay you only have a set amount of time for how long you can make decisions for this country but then you get to appoint someone who gets to make decisions until they die that doesn't seem like a system that would work well for the american people (laughs) who are putting people in power to make decisions the whole point is no one should get to hold power for too long now this idea doesn't translate well to the supreme court when you just get to hold it till you die. Yeah. So it, it, it kind of just the Supreme Court is such a weird. Well, just think if we didn't have this conservative Supreme Court mm. for the last several decades, Citizens United might have never happened. Mm. The decision that says that money is basically political speech mm-hmm. and a corporation can give money to the political system. Mm. Who knows how less corrupt our society would be? Mm? True. Or how much more corrupt it could be 
because straight up just different people. And when you get the right combination of people, arguably they get to make a lot more rules than we give them credit for. You know, like the whole point is that you know not all of them should should agree on something. But heaven forbid if all nine of the justices agreed on anything. Well, you only need the majority of them. Yeah. I just, like, the way the court is set up right now, it is packed for conservatives. Yes. Uh, the way it is set up right now, it would limit, it would limit progress. And uh, the, America is in a stage right now where we need some progress. Yeah. One in four people, maybe a little under one in four people are out of a job. 70% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. One in three can't pay rent. One in three can't pay their mortgage. Mm. Things are not very good right now. Mm. Um, and Joe Biden is trying to push us towards a, a return to normalcy. But guess what, Joe? This is normal. And this is awful. Mm. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, going forward with another uh, U.S. normalcy, gun control. Oh, Our boy. favorite topic. Ah, uh, not controversial at not all. Not controversial <laughs> at all. So recently, Joe Biden announced that uh, he's giving the Department of Justice 30 days to come up with a proposal to limit so-called ghost guns. Now, What's a ghost gun, yeah, baby? I, I had to do a little bit of research on this myself. So pretty much, there are certain kits you can buy that, when you put them together, are a gun. Now, these kits do not have to follow the same gun sale rules that a normal gun would because it's not a gun it's just a kit so pretty much you have these situations where people can go out and buy a gun and then assemble it themselves mm -hmm. so they pass all of the flags they don't have to go through any of the background checks or any of the safety measurements that we've put in place to keep people safe while buying guns they just get to completely bypass it because they're not buying a gun wow that seems kind of silly to it, me it, that almost seems like semantics that almost it? it almost seems like a massive loophole yeah like a silly little loophole that could easily be closed exactly so that's what uh joe biden is trying to do he, he gave him 30 days and you know they need to fix it so going on with this this was one thing Joe Biden has recently done to kind of curve gun control. Uh, he has also, there are 35 uh, Democrats who have pushed to ban AR-15s. That's in the House, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. And that, I've heard a lot of, like, from my personal friends, a lot of pushback from that. Really? A lot of it. Just because... It goes against their right to bear arms. That's how they feel. And it's, on one hand, I agree, you know, you, it's their right to bear arms. You know, it's plain and simple. You can bear arms. But at the same time, AR-15s are, and other guns of the type, because this gun ban for the, the AR-15, it actually included uh, over 200 specific models from AR-15s, AK-47s to even uh, the Uzi variants, these variants of guns are used in way more mass shootings than they are in self-defense. There are gun models that are used in self-defense, and then there are these, which, you know, when these guns come up in the news, it is always mass shootings, multiple casualties. You know, in America, we're at the point where every day, something like 106 people are killed from gun violence a day. Just, it's a lot, and we're trying to find a way to curve it, but they're, 
it doesn't seem to be a, an easy solution, and that's because people have this have this strong tie to that. Their guns is how they defend themselves. That's that's their baseline. I have my gun, and this is what's going to keep me and my family alive. But at the same time, there are so many people who have that same thought of this is my gun and how many lives can I go take with it. Yeah, I just, um, real quick, I just a little bit of constitutional scholarship here. Mm. I've pulled up the Second Amendment, and this is what it says. A well-regulated militia, being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms, shall not be infringed. Mm. Um, and I interpret this to mean that a well-regulated militia mm. being necessary to the security of a free state, mm. the, the right of the people to keep and bear arms mm. and form a well-regulated militia, let me say again, well-regulated mm. militia mm. shall not be infringed. Uh, and, and keep in mind, this amendment was written at a time when, a, when, when what they meant by arms was a was a black powder musket true you could fire off one round a minute yep unless you were a fast dude if you were a fast guy you had a buddy with you you might be able to get two shots out of oh, let's go let's uh, go dang. get those red backs so so i think that maybe then by by this text of the second amendment a well-regulated militia might mean that everybody can have a musket mm. and that's it that's it that's it just a musket See, the thing that makes this situation so hard, and arguably why we need the Supreme Court, is because our Constitution was written so long ago, it has to be interpreted. Mm -hmm. the, mo the modern impl implications of our Constitution have to be interpreted. So, on one hand, here, how do, how do we interpret this, this amendment? We've had this same question for as long as we've had the amendment. How do we interpret that? But that is also the point of the Supreme Court. At the end of the day, what the Supreme Court does is they interpret the Constitution and let the rest of us know what is and isn't constitutional. So just circling back real quick, when you stack the Supreme Court, you stack what Americans can and can't do under the Constitution. Thank you. Thank you. Somebody finally said it. And this is why we need a Supreme Court that re reflects the will of the people. Because guess what? The people want universal background checks. Mm. The people want a ban on assault-style weapons. The people want to be able to go to the goddamn mall and not be worried about getting shot. Or have their kids go to school, be able to go... Just There are so many gun-related deaths in America every single day. And we cannot find a way to agree to stop it. Like, no one seems to care that... A hundred people die every single day because of a gun. I care. There you go. At least at least someone here does. I'm going to be honest. I care. I'm going to be honest. I care because it's cutting into the profits of the NRA. Oh, Up top, there you my go. Man. Yeah. There you go. Uh, all right. Well, that looks like everything we've got prepared today. That looks like our show. Um, let's see. Anything interesting happening to you right now? Anything new or exciting going on? Anything no. political? No, not mm. really. I'm starting a, uh, a new uh, public policy and uh, democracy class. That took me a minute. <laughs> but, uh, I'm, that's going to be nice. I'm thinking of tying a lot of what we're looking into that show into this podcast. Okay. I'm, I think this is going to be a really good way to get 
current information from not only my point of view, but all the point all of the points of view of the people in my class along with my professor, and I would be able to bring that to TMI and our listeners. Heck yeah. What about you, Anthony? Anything new going on in your world politics? Uh yeah, I just uh, I just remembered that um, Bernie Sanders when he was running for president, mm. he would say all the time that he would go to West Virginia and mm. he would he would primary Joe Manchin. Mm. He would primary people that were against these avenues of change and make them pro these avenues of change. Mm. And now it's been a couple months and That's we've had months. we had eight Senate Democrats vote against the fifteen dollar minimum wage mm. and the COVID reconciliation bill. Where was Bernie during that? Mm. Like, these positions, these progressive positions, and I'm talking to you, the listener. If you're watching CNN or, or Fox News or MSNBC, and you hear the, the host of the show say, $15 an hour, that's ridiculous. Or you hear, you hear the host say, they want to give people free college, that's ridiculous. Mm. And a little voice in the back of your head says, is that is that really that ridiculous? Mm. That little voice is right. Uh, we these progressive positions are by far and away the popular majority positions. And for too long, the one percent, the political elite, the 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 wealthiest and the most well connected, have been able to trick us into thinking that our beliefs are the unpopular beliefs. Mm. If you look back, you look back at the, the primary, mm -hmm. right? Bernie Sanders was by far and away the most popular candidate. Mm. But Joe Biden won because people were worried that nobody else liked Bernie. Exactly. So Bernie was the majority of people's first choice candidate. I remember going into the election, and this was my first election, the first time I could vote, and I remember hearing multiple people saying, a vote for Bernie would be wasted because everyone else is going to vote for Biden. Because no one would let Bernie be president. And then Joe Biden ran a basically dead campaign. He came in last in the first three states, won South Carolina. After Bernie Sanders wins Iowa, wins New Hampshire, wins the popular vote in Nevada, Joe Biden wins one state, and suddenly CNN, MSNBC, NBC, they've all got a massive hard-on out to here. They're like, Oh, go to Joe. Yep. Um, it sucks. It, it sucks. And what we need is is for you, our listeners, our progressives, the American people. We need you to use your voices to rally, to march, to organize, to to make the government come to heel, because they work for us, not the other way around. And and especially after this COVID bill just passed. You know, I think uh, hundreds of millions of Americans just got that $1,400 in their bank account, mm -hmm. and, and, like, it, it, it kind of clicks. It's like a, it's like a moment for them where, oh, Congress passed a bill, and then the next day I got this money in my account. Like, the government actually did something that directly benefited my life. Yep. And maybe they could do it again. Maybe they could. And we're here to tell you that they can do it again. We're here to tell you that it is in fact their job and their only reason for their existing only job is to is, make your life better. Is to do it again. Um, so yeah, that's, that's everything I've got for you. Keep fighting the good fight, my guys. Use your voices. 
Uh, dig deep. If you heard anything that we said that you thought was wrong, let us know. Tweet us at TMIPNW. Uh, email me at TMIPNW at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts. Hit us up. We'll be coming live next week. Uh, JB, you have any closing thoughts? Nope. I've been JBW. I've been Tony. And we hope you have a great day. Yeah. Baba Booey. <laughs>